We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Monday afternoon edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Nick Whalen, Alex Barutha here with you as we are every Monday afternoon. Uh, Alex, big weekend in the NBA. Actually, no games on Sunday. And it, it was kind of nice to be able to just fully zone in on football. I believe we have the same situation this coming Sunday uh, as we, we reach the end of the in-season tournament. We'll talk a bunch about that. We'll talk about some of our, our waiver claims. Guys were comfortable dropping. We'll, of course, hit... Plenty of listener questions as well. Uh, but how was your weekend, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, it was a fun weekend watching basketball. Um, it's uh, I'm excited to see what the hype for the end season tournament ends up being. Uh, I was talking, you know, my I was at my parents and my my dad was asking plenty of questions about the end season tournament. Mm. Uh, and I was like, I, I find it interesting or I'm curious about, you know, these quarterfinal games, you the home fans get to be there. They get to watch. It's a home, it's a home court advantage thing. But then for the semifinals and the finals, they just moved to Vegas and your home fans are your your home fans are supposed to be really excited about this thing, but they can't go to the game. I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm also interested to see, like, do we notice a difference, you know, uh, you know, for these quarterfinal games, we, we got Boston, Indiana tonight, New Orleans, Sacramento. And then on Tuesday, Knicks, Bucks, and Suns, Lakers. It, is it going to be notably different? Is it going to feel like a playoff environment? You know, I I would imagine the NBA would encourage you know the game ops teams to be like, go all out. You know, treat this like a playoff game, make it feel special. Are the fans going to respond to that? I don't know. Maybe I, I would like to look into like are tickets more expensive for these games because it's an in season tournament game? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is that it has it has a Final Four type of feel uh, to it. You know, in Vegas, but. You have such a short turnaround as far as like travel plans go. And it's also different, you know, like when North Carolina is playing Villanova in the final four, you have, you know, 60 years worth of alumni, including current students who are buying tickets and traveling to, to go to a game like that. Whereas, you know, if the, if the New Orleans Pelicans win tonight, you know, is, is Pelicans nation, you know, going to rally and, and make it to Vegas? Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure some people will, but I just, I don't, I don't really see that being the case. So yeah. Do you think it ends up being almost more of like a summer league type of feel? I think it might be, yeah. Was, the crowd, I think, is going to be in Vegas is going to be really interesting to to see because, like you mentioned, are people really going to travel for this? 
I don't think so. You know, of course, Vegas has plenty of people from all of these, you know, cities. There's plenty of transplants who, if you're a Bucks game and they end up, you know, going to the finals, you would go if you live in Vegas, uh, maybe. Uh, but so is the crowd going to be like, is it going to be a 25% for one fan base, 25% for the other fan base, and then 50% of people who are just like in Vegas and want to see pro basketball and may have put money on the game? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be fun, though. You know, it's it's different for sure. And I, I still am marking this down as a success for the NBA. And, you know, this week will be the true test, of course. But I, I do think for as much as I can, you know, complain about being confused about the groups and the tiebreakers and all that, I, I think the NBA probably knew that was going to be part of it. And overall, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's taken away from the season by any means. You know, you could you could argue about whether, you know, how much value it's actually added. But I don't know. We're leading a podcast with it. Everybody else is talking about it. Like, I, I think... I think this is in general what the NBA wanted. You know, you're, we're in the we're in the the peak of the regular season of the NFL. Like people are not going to people are not going to look away from the AFC playoff race to make sure they watch the Pelicans and the Kings in in the in season tournament. But it's at least added some spice to it. Um, you know, it's, it's it's felt more meaningful to me. I think the players have been on board in a way that the league would prefer. Um, I, I just I do wish something more was on the line besides cash. And I know we've we've talked about you know what some of the options could be. I don't love the idea of. Like, oh, you know, you're automatically guaranteed like a top four playoff spot or something like that, because I, I think that would feed into the issue that the NBA is already having as far as, you know, keeping these games competitive and keeping teams locked in in the regular season. Like if you win the in-season tournament, what reason do you have to, you know, extend your players and, you know, have guys play 70 plus games when you're already locked into a playoff spot? So to me, that's not really the solution. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure what the solution is. I mean, I think some of this, too, is I wish. You know, I wish the the matchups in the in-season tournament felt more like rivalries. Maybe that would help. You know, they tried to yeah. separate the groups a little bit. You still figure the best teams are going to end up uh, facing against each other. I mean, they, you know, I, I think the NBA was probably hoping for like uh, Celtics 76ers or, you know, yeah. some other some other um, combination of teams. And maybe that's ultimately their goal with the in-season tournament. But you, un you end up with, you know, Celtics, Pacers, Pelicans, Kings, Knicks, Bucks, Suns, Lakers is interesting, you know, at least from like a fan fan base perspective. That is actually a really interesting point, because my understanding and again, I think this is fungible. I think the NBA will play with it year to year as they should. But I, I, I think the idea is that your group is based, you know, off of like records from last year. Right. At least that's how these groups are made. I think they should lock in the groups. It could even just be divisions. You know, if, if, if part of the goal is to create rivalries, I think you're, you're thinking five, 10, 15 years down the road that you know you, you I, th I think you want the same teams vying for those playoff spots each year because that creates that creates more of a, a, a you know a localized in division type of rivalry which is the NBA has always lacked that you know I think there are people who follow the NBA who cannot tell you what division the Oklahoma City Thunder are in and perhaps rightfully so um but I, I think that would be one way to to try to conjure up some more rivalries because the NBA has always been more of a transient rivalry league where you have you know you have Warriors Cavs it's the the peak rivalry and then LeBron goes to the Lakers and all of a sudden that rivalry falls off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be interesting if they just did it based on the Vegas win totals. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll ever base that might be too direct, you know, too direct of yeah. a uh, jump into the, the, the world of sports betting. But I think it would right. be, I think that's how they should do it is just based off of um, projected win totals. And then you sort of those teams, you know, near the bottom sort of have that, um, they get the they get the underdog mentality of like right. oh you know Vegas only thinks we're gonna win twenty four and a half games like that sort of mm -hmm. a thing.
I don't, I don't hate that, especially with the finals being in Vegas. And I assume they will permanently be in Vegas, at least for the foreseeable future. I, I think you could kind of tie that element in, but um, yeah, nonetheless, excited to see, you know, what these, what these two games tonight and Tuesday look like. And then uh, you know, we get our, our true semifinals on Thursday and then the finals on Saturday night uh, for scheduling purposes. We have basically all the non in-season tournament teams, you know, playing on Wednesday and Friday and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but the teams that lose tonight and Tuesday, those teams will also play Friday. They also play Friday. Those times and games are to be determined. But yeah, they they play on Friday as well. So I think Friday has 13 or 14 games or something like that. It's it's going to be a massive uh, uh, a massive day. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah, it should be 14, right? Because then you have the the next two yeah. teams playing in the final on Saturday. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye on that for scheduling purposes. From what I've seen, Alex, the the in-season tournament final will not count toward fantasy scores, correct? Every league that I'm in, that's that's what I've seen. Correct. Uh, every every team in the NBA plays two games that count for fantasy. Okay. All right. There we have it. Um, all right. Let's talk about waiver wire this week. Uh, you know, I, I always reference the stake league. That's where I do most of my waiver wire work. I actually, I didn't do it a whole lot in an NFBKC this week. I just didn't really... Nobody was really speaking to me. Uh, you know, I got CJ McCollum back in that league, so that helps me quite a bit. You know, try to hopefully ride this out, uh, you know, without Lamelo Ball for the next couple of weeks. But McCollum back—that's big. Uh, hopefully, getting Laurie Marketed back at some point this week. We will see. In, in the stake league, I was just doing my normal, like really bottom of the barrel, sad waiver claims. I, I decided to part ways controversially with Jose Alvarado, uh, who I kind of picked up on a whim and, and tried to just get a few games before McCollum came back. And uh, I, I now have TJ McConnell on my team. I don't really okay. feel great about it. Threw in the $0 bid on him and uh, picked up Trey Lyles from the Sacramento Kings as well. This is a 16-team league, so the, the waiver wire is pretty barren at this point. But the one guy who I actually really wanted, and I, I couldn't really decide how much to put on him. I don't feel terrible about missing out. But I, I wanted to get Cody Martin. Um, you, know, you do worry mm-hmm. Tyler Hero could be back this week. You know, Maybe that cuts into his workload. But Miami's been such a weird team where it feels like somebody comes back and then somebody else gets hurt. Uh, we've been saying that about Hawkes, you know, for a couple of weeks and it, it feels like he's played so well. Um, and I, I think Martin might be in that bucket too, where he's played really well of late. It's like, how, how drastically can they really slash his minutes? It's a good question in uh NFPKC in my league, Caleb Martin went for 41 and that's a $1,000 fab. Yeah. So the equivalent of about $4 and in, in most people's standard leagues, you know, I think Martin's a guy, we saw him get hot in the playoffs, um, last year he's, hot shooting right now but not like super unsustainable it's just the the heat can't they just can't get healthy you know Adebayo's out Highsmith exited the game the other day heroes on the verge of a return but who knows Josh Richardson got hurt so I you know I think Caleb Martin is established enough within the rotation where if you think he's going to get anywhere between 25 and 35 minutes on, on any given night he's probably worth rostering uh 12 team leagues maybe definitely 14 or 16 team leagues yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, I also threw in a bid for Io Desumu. Uh Did not did not get him. I I'm not actually all that interested in him. Like for the the short term, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see on that. You know, he's played more minutes of late. That was with you know DeRozan and Levine missing time. So I you know I don't think he's just going to be like 33 minutes a game going forward. But we're getting to that point now where, especially in a, an ultra competitive league in a 16 team league, I'm already starting to think about the trade deadline. I think it is a lock that Chicago trades at least one of those core three and maybe two. And, you know, who, who knows who comes back, right? You know, if you, if you ship him, uh, ship him out to a team and you bring back a couple young guards, maybe it's a wash, but 
Desumu is, is one of those guys that I, I kind of want to have. If, if I have a roster spot that I could burn and, you know, in a 16 team league with four bench spots, you know, you, you got some pretty unappealing options there. So I'm kind of hoping that yeah, I could grab him, ride that out for a little bit. And then if and when Zach Levine is traded, you know, maybe he's looking at closer to 25, 28 minutes a night for a little bit. Yeah, they don't, um, you know, people have picked up Patrick Williams for the same reason. And, and, and Williams has been playing better anyway. I'm just not really a Pat Williams believer. Like it's been three straight years where they have to keep toying, like bringing him off the bench, starting him. Everybody gets really excited when he, when he like decides to shoot the basketball, everyone's like, yes, yeah, go keep doing that. Pat. Like, it's crazy uh, how little <laughs> promise he's shown that just when he shoots, it's like you, it's worth tweeting about, uh, but he has played well lately. And yeah, picking up the soon move, Kobe White's got to be picked up in almost every league at this point. I'm sure there's still some like 10 team league out there where he's not rostered, but they just don't have, you know, besides those guys in Dasun mood, like they don't have a lot of rising up and coming playmakers or anything like that. Guys who project well for fantasy, um, they probably get someone back in the trade, but picking up Dasun move for, you know, to sort of predict that happening, I think makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and again, sixteen team league. I'm not recommending doing this in most fantasy leagues, but I think we're we're at that point in the year where we're at the quarter mark. Essentially, most teams have played twenty, twenty one games, um, where you got to start thinking ahead a little bit, and especially if you're working the margins there. Were, were there any guys that you you really targeted across your leagues? Any notable pickups? Anybody you missed out on? Uh, I, I mean, I made like a really uh small move in um in my NFBKC team i dropped kelly olenek and picked up grayson allen oh wow Not, yeah i mean it's big stuff uh going on but no for me for me it was a pretty quiet week partially because there's no streaming opportunities with every team yep. playing twice um you know uh, i i just felt like my bench was a little too strong in any league to sort of take a chance on guys and i don't play in a lot of daily leagues so um the sort of like streaming the guys who are playing like the Bucks, you know, Bucks are popular streamers because they play on low volume days or they play on like a Tuesday. Um, so I, I don't really have a lot of situations yeah. like that. No, you're right. I mean, with the NCAA tournament, this should probably be the quietest waiver wire week in most competitive leagues, just because, like you said, there's no real, there's no real way to work the schedule, you know, unless your league is is you know including some of those games that others aren't. So yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Um, you know, most especially in, in deeper leagues, almost all of my waiver claims are schedule-based, right? You know, you're rotating out somebody who had a four-game week last week. Now they're on a two-game week. You're grabbing, you know, basically streaming uh, is what we're talking about. And yeah, not not really a week to do that. I don't mind grabbing Grayson Allen, though. I mean, he's been a top 120 guy on the year. Uh, still feels very up and down. You know, he's coming back. I think he missed a couple of games with an illness early last week. And, um, you know, Phoenix, you never know the injury report night to night. Um, you know, obviously, Booker's missed time. Beal going to continue to miss time. But Grayson Allen, when he's been out there, regardless of who else has been out there, has played at least 30 minutes in 15 out of 18 games. And if you're talking about a 14 or a 16 team league, you're, you're not going to find many players who meet that criteria. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was more so just getting getting guys on my bench because everyone's hurt in that league. I, mean, I just got Cam Tam Thomas back uh, in that league. I still have Tyler Hero out. Jamal Murray's been in and out. I have him in that league as well. And Wendell Carter Jr. is still sitting injured on my bench. Uh, so I just I just need to make sure I got some insurance by by getting Grayson Allen. I did grab Wendell Carter in our staff league, uh, and that one's daily move, so it's a little bit easier to you know kind of work around there and not have to to you know kind of plan everything around a certain day and time. I mean, I don't know where we're at now. I mean, I, I did not think Wendell Carter would miss a full month. Um, you know, still very unclear how close he is to returning. Uh, we we got the classic like 
He's getting some shots up reports. That was a week ago already at this <laughs> right. point. He's missed a couple of games since then. Uh, you know, Markel Fultz, for, for the most part, has kind of been in that same boat as well. Uh, you know, the Magic are playing so well that like, the Wendell Carter situation is actually really interesting because I, I think I think their team specifically with the way that they're built and the contributors that they have right now, it's like they might be a little bit wary of messing up the current chemistry. With that said, I, you know, I, I don't think Wendell Carter comes back and is the third center behind, you know, Goga Bataze and, and Mo Wagner. I don't think so either. And they're obviously still missing Markel Fultz, who just like is making no progress from this knee tendonitis thing, uh, which yeah, is tough. That's if you, very if, concerning. If you've been, yeah, if you've been rostering him, like I don't even know what you do. If you're, if you're, you know, if you need the IR spot or you don't have an IR spot and you're bottom of your league, you might just have to drop him and stream somebody in. Because even when he comes back, Jalen Suggs is, and Cole Anthony have been playing so well that it's going to be hard for, um, you know, for them to cut the minutes back. But yeah, and on, on Wendell Carter, I, you know, Batatze, as well as he's played as like a third string center. I mean, I think maybe they keep running out Wagner and Batatze as starters while they ramp up Wendell Carter. But I think ultimately the plan is to get Carter back in the starting lineup and, you know, boot Batatze from the from yeah. the rotation if possible. I think so too. Not not a you know strong level of investment in Batadze for that franchise. So you know I, I don't think Wendell Carter is getting kicked to the curb by any means. But wouldn't be surprised if you know when he is back, there is somewhat of a slower ramp up. But I think eventually he'll get back to to being close to the guy we thought he would. So if he's out there in your league, that's somebody I would throw a speculative ad at, even if you're not using him this week. Uh, fairly big injury news over the weekend. Bam Adebayo uh, ruled out for basically a week. You know the Heat are always a little bit vague, uh, but sounds like he will not play. Uh, really at all this week. I'd be pretty surprised if he's back even Friday against Cleveland, dealing with that hip injury that forced him out early against Indiana um, earlier last week. You know, did, did not play in the rematch against Indiana on Saturday. Uh, pretty tough break because I mean, Adebayo had been having pretty easily uh, you know, the, the best season of his career. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.2 steals. That's about where he's been throughout his peak years. He's back up to a block per game after two straight years. Of falling short of that, you know, field goal percentage is great. He's he's improved at the free throw line each of the last three years. Uh, you know, still not somebody who's going to give you anything from beyond the arc. It just feels like that might never come around for him. But um, yeah, something to watch uh, very closely here for Miami for a guy who's usually been pretty durable. Well, and they, you know, Spolstra had been. It seemed like exploring the idea of like Thomas Bryant versus Orlando Robinson, who gets that backup five minutes, and and out of bio being out. Last game when Adebayo just sat the whole game, they didn't. Thomas Bryant didn't play. Uh, yeah. Orlando Robinson started, uh, played 29 minutes, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. Uh, someone if Adebayo, if you're in a daily moves league and you see Adebayo is going to continue to miss time, you can start Orlando Robinson. Yeah, I think so. We got a question in the chat from Christopher. He basically asked that. You know, are you are you comfortable taking a chance on him? For this week, I would be. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't start Bam. I, I just think I think there's at least a 50% chance, if not higher, that he doesn't play at all. Um, and you never know with the Heat. Like, would it shock you if all of a sudden Thomas Bryant, you know, plays like 22 minutes in their next game? No, it wouldn't, because that's kind of what they do. But I think we have to take the indication that we have so far, and that's a one-game sample, and they clearly preferred Orlando Robinson. So I, I would lean that way for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm i not proud of it, Alex, but I, I had the thought in a couple of leagues of like, is it that time of year where I need to consider adding Kevin Love, uh, who even oh before Bam went down, you know, he's still still playing his usual like 15 to 19 minutes. Uh, not exciting whatsoever, but you know, if, if you just need lower end points, you need some boards, you need some assists. It feels like he's always out there. 
Yeah, he's a guy you want on like he's fine for four game weeks if you're streaming him in. Um, I I I'm mostly curious about what's going to happen when everybody is healthy, because there was a game where you know Kevin Love like didn't play; he was just a straight up DMP. Yeah, and I wonder if everyone's healthy, those minutes just start trending more towards Caleb Martin, especially yeah. uh, Jaime Hawkes. Yeah, I mean Hawkes obviously the the much more effective player than Kevin Love at this point. And I think you're right about that. Like once, once you don't think of Tyler hero necessarily directly impacting Kevin Love, but uh, I think there's a real case that there, there is some trickle down and, you know, Miami has so many guys who feel like they could play two or three positions that I, I could see him getting squeezed. And we, we even saw that last year, you know, Kevin Love, you know, he'd be out of the rotation for a week that he's back in and then he's out. I mean, he's, he's somebody that you, you it's always going to be somewhat of a risk. And um, you know, I, I would say if, if Bam ends up missing more time, you know, I'd be a little more confident that we see more of Kevin Love. Uh, but but obviously it's going to be a risk until we have a real update on him. Uh, all right. So before we get to listener questions, Alex, you know, we like I said, we're at the quarter mark of the season. Uh, I kind of want to just take a look, take stock, uh, you know, things that we maybe got right, got wrong, you know, biggest surprises of the year so far. Uh, you know, try, try to exclude injuries as much as we can, just because those tend to be fluky. Like, you know, do I wish I wouldn't have taken the mellow ball in the first round of my NFPKC? I guess, but he was also playing at a first round level before that. So it's hard to say that that was a regret. Um, but let's, let's, let's talk about the way you built your, your stake league team. Uh, neither of us are, are exactly lighting the world on fire in that league. Uh, but you went, you went with a, you know, kind of a more balanced approach, you know, not throwing in any big bids. This was an auction league. Uh, how, how do you feel about that in retrospect? Do you wish you would have spent up? Do you think you did the right thing? Um, I think it's right to do in theory, if you're in an auction league to, to build a balanced roster, but you don't, the issue that I got into was that can it went through my bench too much. Like my bench was also way, way too balanced and it kind of prevented me from making some streaming ads. Um, you know, I think it's really important to build like a, a, a balanced, uh, basically starting lineup and then like half your bench. And I mismanaged my budget a little bit and went basically almost balanced completely across the board, um, which too really balanced. sort of yeah, too balanced. I mean, a hundred percent. I've had Colin Sexton on my bench for like all year. Um, like it's helped me deal with some injuries, you know, to Anthony Simons and Terry Rozier and stuff like that. But there were also plenty of guys I could have went really aggressively on, on the waiver wire. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in general, that's the right approach. I mean, it, I think it limits risk in that if you, if you blow, you know, 70% of your budget on two guys and one of them goes down, you're going to be in huge trouble. Um, but like you said, it, it almost creates these inherent, you know, not only add drop decisions, but even start sit week to week when you have so many like fairly comparable players. Yeah. In theory, you just, I mean, that's the nice thing about having the balanced roster. If you do it right, is that you can just start every week uh, guys with the most games. Yep. You really only care about game count. So you're maximizing game count, which is fantastic. Uh, but you don't want to get too, again, too balanced to the point where mm -hmm. you don't have enough upside because you're, your bench is too good. Basically you didn't spend enough money on the, the main guys who would actually start for you. All right. Let's talk to women Yama and, and Chad Holmgren both rank inside the top 20 right now in eight category per game production. Uh, you know, some ups, some downs, you know, especially for women Yama, you know, it, it, night to night, it's been a bit of an adventure, but I would say on balance, when you look at the stat line, 19 points, 10 boards, two and a half assists, 1.3 steals, 2.7 blocks, 43% from the field, 82% at the line. I would say about what we expected. You know, I, I think we kind of knew field goal percentage despite his size and his position uh, would, would probably not be a plus 
uh, just given the, the type of shots that he takes. But um, yeah, I'm not, not trying to like toot our own horn on the projections, but I, I do feel like this is kind of what we expected about 20 games in. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he's, he's a box score monster. Um, he, he would be playing better if I think the Spurs, uh, were more committed to winning games, more committed to playing, uh, Trey Jones at point guard, which is what we expected at the very beginning of like the off season, mm -hmm. uh, before they decided to switch to, to Sohan. But yeah, he's been awesome. Score at least 20 points in each of the past four games. I think the issues with his field goal percentage, I don't know if they're going to get cleared up. You know, I've written a couple articles. I did a rookie report, talked about uh, Wembenyama and Holmgren, and I thought Holmgren's shooting would regress. But I wasn't so sure that Wembenyama's would come up, partially because he's relying so much on these mid-range jumpers um, and shooting a lot of threes. He doesn't get to the basket very much. He gets to the basket at the same rate of, like, Max Struess. Uh, and it's because they they have no space, and so I I don't really expect that to get better. But um, I think he I think he should continue to hold the rank that that he has you know right now for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't love how they're using him. I, I don't love the guys they're putting around him, and I think that is that is hurting him. But he's he's still playing through it, right? Like even even on nights when it feels like they're like intentionally freezing him out. Like I was watching that Clippers game a couple weeks ago, and it's like how is this guy taking 12 shots uh, in, in like 27 minutes? But you know he's still for the most part getting his uh they're not always the best looks like you said a lot of mid-range a lot of difficult jumpers but uh, i think he'll live with the field goal percentage and you know the blocks have started to come around lately as well he was a, a yeah. bit more hit or miss early in the season but last six games 3.8 blocks per game like it, it would not shock me if he's close to four blocks per game rest of season like that is absolutely in the cards uh so i yeah I, I, the roundabout question i wanted to ask you with both women yama and chet is across all your leagues did, did, do you feel like you properly targeted them like I I ended up with almost no shares of either player I think I have like one home grid share I wish I would have gone more all in with that said I, I still have I still have the longer term injury games played concerns that I did coming into the year but I mean both have held up remarkably so far yeah I I didn't end up with Wemon Yama in any leagues I I wanted to get him in the third round and he basically never fell to me there um so I think I took him in a mock draft at like the two three turn <laughs> Uh, and then Chet, I don't think I drafted in a real, I did, I did not draft him in a real draft. I don't think I ever got up in a mock because he was also going in like the third round. And I also had the similar injury concerns, uh, as you did. And some concerns about his usage because I'm like, well, okay, so he's really good. They're not going to have to feed him the ball all the time. You have, you know, SGA and Giddy and Jalen Williams. Um, so do I, I mean, I, I guess I technically misevaluated them, but I still feel like Holmgren's shooting is going to come down a little mm -hmm. bit um throughout the year yeah I, I continue to have some scotty barnes fomo you know he's still a first round guy on the year um just you know felt like i got burned last year and i think i overcorrected there you know trey young is somebody that i, I wish i would have gone harder after too specifically in the stake league um or, or even you know i, I had the, i had the opportunity to take him over Lamelo in in nfbkc and I, I was i had already taken anthony davis and I was like, you know what? If I have Anthony Davis, I'm shooting for the moon. I'm taking Lamelo, whatever. You know, like I'm either winning the league or both guys are getting hurt and I'm finishing dead last. So that was that was why <laughs> I didn't do it in that specific one. But I mean, we started coming into the year like Trey Young can be frustrating at times, you know, especially in real life. But in fantasy, man, he is just he's bulletproof. Like the guy doesn't miss games. You know, he, the numbers are there. Like he's still piling up assists. Like I, I just I wish I had more Trey Young. I I wrote about Trey Young before the season as um what I think in my underrated picks article for each round. And I, I wrote yeah. Trey young as like the most underrated player to take in the first round. 
because he's proven to do it before. And he's had a couple years where it's like he's eighth and then he's 22nd and then he's sixth. You know, people kind of freak out about that. And his shooting was so bad last year. Like, I don't blame people for sort of like hopping off a little bit and saying like, okay, should we reassess this? Um, but his shooting has come around not a ton on the year as a whole compared to last year, but there's just so few guys in the NBA that are giving you a relatively efficient, you know, like they're, he's, he's a, um, a candidate for 30 and 10 every night, his yeah. steals production up to 1.6. I actually think that's real. Um, yeah. I, I looked into his deflection numbers, um, which is always a good way to tell if steals are real. He's almost like doubled his deflection rate compared to last year. Um, Atlanta is playing a really aggressive defense. That's that's helping him a ton too. Yeah, I mean he's he's not far off of what uh, you know what Tyrus Halliburton is doing, and you know the big difference between those two is the field goal percentage. I mean Halliburton is yeah. shooting a full eleven percentage points better than Trey Young, which is massive, and that's the reason that he ranks you know like eight spots higher. But other than that, I mean Trey Young's only he's only one assist behind him. You know, he's averaging a half steal more per game. Uh, they're they're comparable at the free throw line. So you know obviously Halliburton. Is, is, is getting plenty of buzz and rightfully so, but you know, Trey young has, has kind of been that guy for longer. Um, but yeah, but both guys, honestly, I wish I had more exposure to, I do at least have a few Halliburton shares that are uh, returning pretty well right now, as anybody knows uh, who's rostering Halliburton. Um, all right, let's get to some listener questions. Uh, but first we got a message from our friends at underdog underdog fantasy is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. All you got to do is use the code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code RWNBA to claim your free Rotowire subscription and deposit bonus. I know you and I have been playing on Underdog a ton lately. I've been I actually did an audit over the weekend and I, I submitted more than 60 uh, individual underdog uh, projection. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. I guess more or less higher or lowers. I believe yeah. they are. Uh, they are listed on that site. So yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope, but in a very good way. Like I, it, it keeps you involved. You know, I, I love doing it, like submitting like a, a same game entry for like whatever the late game is. Like, you know, I was just absurdly invested in like Clippers Kings the other night. I mean, you, I know you're a, you're a Jags fan uh, tonight. I need Travis Etienne. This is real. I need Travis Etienne over 15 and a half receiving yards to win a hundred dollars on my five dollar bet, my five way five way pick them. So yeah, uh, that's a real is that, uh, is that an NBA NFL mix? This is a uh yeah, I got a Tobias Harris flash sale from underdog. I took the over on and then three other NFLs um in that mix. All right. Well, I, as a Jags fan, I will be rooting along with you tonight. And I, I love the spot for ETN. Bengals defense is, is a disaster, but don't, you actually can't, like, this is actually bad to bring up because I'm going to end up doing like a 15 <laughs> minutes locally on the Jags. We have live viewer, live listener questions to check in on. Uh, and we want to thank Christopher for the question about Orlando Robinson. Talked about that. Uh, Kelly Oubre, something to address. Kelly Oubre will be back in the lineup on Wednesday for the 76ers. They, of course, are not in the in-season tournament, so he'll play Wednesday and Friday. Uh, Elwood says, I got Oubre back. I need to drop one of the following. Who would you choose? Aaron Gordon, Zach Collins, or DeAndre Hunter? It's tough. Can I can, can I maybe go hot take for a second? Drop Kelly? Drop Oubre. Yeah. Ooh. I think you drop Oubre. Um, his shooting percentages are not sustainable. Before he got hurt, he was losing minutes. 
Um, you know, the, the three final games before he allegedly got hit by a car, uh, he had played under 30 minutes a game. And right now in eight cat leagues, he is ranked 86th, but he's shooting 50% from the field um, and 38% from three. And last year with the Hornets, he needed 32 minutes a game to be the 112th ranked player. Um, now, I, to me, it's between probably Hunter and uh, Ubre, but it's a, it's tough to drop Hunter because of Jalen Johnson being out, right? Um, and Aaron Gordon isn't necessarily like the hottest name either. But I think my guess would be if you somehow were able to have like all four of these guys on your roster, and you waited another like month, that it would be Ubre being the guy you eventually end up dropping. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. I think the Hunter thing is really tough because he got a nice like three week window here with no Jalen Johnson. But I, I do think after that, then maybe I w- might want to drop Hunter. But you're right to point out the percentages with Ubre, and and you know it's also a different team that he's coming back to. Like they have they have way more depth on the wing than they did you know early in the season you know before the Harden trade. They do, yeah. I mean. Nick Nurse has been using a, an alarming al- amount of, of Nick Batum. I, I don't know exactly how long that lasts, um, but I, Batum's hurt right now. Um, Covington has been playing some minutes. I mean, Embiid's been out. So, yeah, they have more options. I think I still think there's a, a chance Ubre plays. I think he'll probably play between, like, tw- around 25 minutes a game. But is Kelly Oubre is Kelly Oubre playing twenty five minutes a game a must roster player? It's probably borderline. And to yeah. me, all of these guys except Zach Collins um, are basically like high level streamers. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> that that's my answer. I yeah. think you're in a good spot, honestly. If those if those are the guys that you're considering dropping, yeah. you got a pretty solid roster. Uh, the Cousins says he traded Mike Conley for Keegan Murray. Said, yeah, I have a lot of guards on my team. Wanted an upside play. Thoughts on that move? Obviously, Conley's been a lot better lately. You know, the assists have been great. He's averaging like almost nine assists per game over the last couple of weeks. We love that. I, From this perspective, I don't mind it, though, especially if you were inundated with guards. Um, you know, if, if you have a bunch of guards, you, you need to get some wings in the mix. Like, you're certainly buying low on Keegan Murray. Uh, it's, it's been very up and down and mostly down of late. He missed a few games in there as well. But I, I I think I like this move. I I think if you're, if you're looking for a buy low guy who you could trade Mike Conley for, like Keegan Murray is a a pretty obvious name. So I I think you did okay here. Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum, I don't necessarily like this trade, but if you, if you're set on guards, which is what you're saying, then I think it's fine. Um, And, and Murray and Keegan Murray's it actually, he's played horrible this year and he's ranked 115th. So if he starts playing better, you know, I, he could push top 80, Maybe even a little bit better. I'm not like the biggest Keegan Murray believer in the world necessarily, but I I like this trade for you for sure. Yeah, I think I think your mind is in the right place as far as like, all right, what struggling player who and the nice thing with Keegan Murray is like I think he's still gonna play a lot of minutes. I know he, he played what 23 the other night against Denver, but that was after missing four games in a row. Like even when he wasn't shooting the ball all that well, he was still averaging like almost 35 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's hard to imagine playing any worse the rest of the way. I, I think it can only go up. Well, and I, I was actually watching that Nuggets game, and he got benched because he didn't take a shot. Uh, Mike Brown, uh, he, he had a wide-open three, and he pump fake and drive, and Mike Brown called him over and was like, gave him a conversation and then sat him down. So assuming Murray gets a little more aggressive like he was earlier in the year, I think you're completely fine. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we knew we'd have to talk some Trey Murphy here. And our, our guy Mal says, Trey Murphy or Malcolm Brogdon in a nine-category league? Interesting one. Um, I mean, Murphy's the safer bet um, because Brogdon is going to get hurt. He might get traded. Anthony Simons is going to come back. Scoot Henderson might get good. Like, Brogdon's better right now, or, like, he seems safer right now and, like, the more potent player. But I would much rather have Murphy long-term. It's just way safer. Yeah, I mean, Brock is also shooting 41% from the field, so that's that's harming you quite a bit. His free throw percentage is actually down as well, under 80% for a guy who's been, like, a not he's been lights out. He's been, like, almost 90% for his career. So that, that'll that probably trend up, I would think, at some point. He's been shooting the three well, but, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I, I think there's, like, a triple threat here of injury, trade, or even, like, late-season shutdown with Malcolm yeah. Brogdon. And I, I, I want to see once Simons comes back. You know, I think if you want to get out ahead of that, um, you know, I would, I would lean Trey Murphy that – the thing with Murphy, which is, you know, something we always bring up with the Pelicans, they just have so many guys, right? He, he played the other yeah. night, played 22 minutes, looked great. But, you know, you got Herb Jones, um, you know, obviously McCollum coming back. Like, there's there's still some pieces there. Like, we, he basically played an entire year without Zion last year. So, that there's still maybe a bit of a, a false minutes load there. Um, but, you know, Najee Marshall, Dyson Daniels, those guys saw their minutes slashed quite a bit with Murphy and McCollum back. Yeah, I mean, and like like you mentioned, Pelicans are trying to win. I'm a Pelicans believer. They need him out there. Yep. All right. Johnny says, first of all, what's up, fellas? What's up, Johnny? <laughs> Should I pick up Harrison Barnes, uh, of course, of the Sacramento Kings? Uh, look, there are some leagues where I would love to pick up Harrison Barnes. So, as always, depends on your league size. I, I never have a problem rostering him. Like, he's, he's like a, a worse version of Tobias Harris to me. But at the very least, like, once every couple weeks, you're just going to get a random, like, four or five three-pointer game. Uh, you know, he, he plays a ton of minutes regardless. Uh, you know, you kind of thought maybe Keegan Murray would cut into his workload, maybe to some degree, but I mean, Barnes is still at 32 minutes a game for the year. So in general, not knowing your league size, I would say yes, just because finding players who are locked into 30 to 35 minutes almost every night is pretty rare. Yeah, he's a guy you pick up and start on four game weeks. It's that simple. I mean, you don't have to roster him, but um, he's a he's like a four game week streamer guy. And depending mm -hmm. how deep your league is, maybe that's worth having on your roster permanently. Maybe that's worth dropping and picking up when necessary. Michael asks, do you think Al Horford will have rest of season value, even with Kristaps Porzingis back and or injury replacement safety net? He is in a nine cat, 12 team league. So Al Horford in a 12 team league. Um, 
I would hang on to him because I don't trust Porzingis staying healthy. To me, it's that simple. I mean, and he's looked so good lately with Porzingis out. Gives me some belief that if that when in those games that that continues to happen, that he'll continue to play well. That's exactly what I would say. If if you don't think Porzingis is going to get hurt again, then you could drop him. History would suggest that Porzingis is going to get hurt. Um, and the and the thing is, like if, if Porzingis goes down with an injury that's you know four to six weeks, even there's going to be a, a buying frenzy on Al Horford, and, and you're going to wish you had him. So in, unless you know, unless there's somebody out there on the waiver wire who is kind of a no brainer. I would I would hang on to him. I, I think we see Porzingis back at at this week at some point. So maybe we'll we'll you know get a better gauge of you know whether Horford playing so well over the last week gives him a, a few more minutes. I would say probably not though, just because I, I think I think the the Celtics really want to be careful with him and, and make sure that he is where he needs to be for the playoffs. So I, I would say hang on to him, but don't really plan on starting him unless or when Porzingis goes down again. Yes, and also beware. You know, you're going to have them on your bench some weeks and you're going to see that the Celtics have a four game week and you're going to be like, great, I'm going to start Horford. Don't do it necessarily if he has a back to back because he's not going to play one of the legs of the back to back. So his four game week is a three game week, depending on the schedule. So just keep that in mind if you if you keep them and you stream them in. All right. Uh, Point Blank Mish asks, since Jaron Jackson Jr. is on a buy low trend for weeks now, would it be fair to trade Terry Rozier for him? Sadly, it might be. Uh, as somebody who's got a, a lot of Jaron Jackson this year, it's, it's not been good. Um, you know, the, like the the boom performances have started to come around at least for Jackson. You know, it had that that huge game on Saturday against Phoenix, thirty seven and nine. Had a six block game with twenty points against Utah a few games ago. Uh, you know, he went through a really really rough patch uh, in the middle of November. He had a nine game span where he was under forty percent from the field. He was barely blocking any shots. Uh, I think he went nine games in a row without multiple blocks, which is insane for Jaron Jackson. Uh, but the case for Rozier is pretty strong right now with, with no LaMelo ball and not really knowing his timeline. With that said, I, I think I would still rather have Jaron Jackson. I, I think you, you fall back on the, it can't get any worse belief. And we're also, you know, just a couple of weeks away from John Morant coming back. And I, I do think, I think that maybe you, you could argue it lowers, you know, Jaron Jackson's scoring upside, but I, I think it's going to do wonders for his field goal percentage. And I think this team is going to just reach a, a level of competency that they have not shown so far this year. That was exactly what I was going to bring up. John Moran coming back soon. I think that's going to help Jaron Jackson a lot. I would rather have Jaron Jackson uh, and for all the reasons you outlined. This is an interesting question because it's actually maybe one of the most overrated fantasy players uh, exchange for maybe one of the most underrated fantasy players uh, potentially in a trade, but I, I would rather have tri Triple J for sure. Yeah, me too. Chase that upside. I mean, he's been just so bad this year. And look, I, I think the dream of him being like a top 20 guy on the year is probably dead because we're 20 games in, but I think, I think there's still a world in which he could be a top 25 to 30 player the rest of the way. And um, you know, it, there, there's going to be some nights where you wish you had Rozier when he's giving you, you know, 33 and 12 without LaMelo, but I, it, and he's in a category league. So again, depends what you need. If you need, if you need blocks and you're, you're set on points and you're doing okay in assist, then then take Jaron Jackson. Uh, a question we did not think we would have a couple weeks ago, Alex, keep or drop Asar Thompson who very quietly has played 21, 13, and 16 minutes over the last three games. However, foul trouble has been a big part of that. He is coming off the bench now, though. Detroit is just throwing stuff at the wall, trying to trying to get, you know, find anything to get this season back on track. I I would keep him. Uh Detroit, like we know SR Thompson is good. We know that. Like he's guys don't average what he averaged as a starter who are not good basketball players. When you watch him play, 
You can tell he's a good basketball player. He passes the eye test. But like Nick alluded to, they are so desperate just to get a win. Like, they just need a win. And so Monty Williams is going to mess with the lineups. He's going to mess with the rotations. Asar Thompson doesn't space. He airballs threes. It's going to be a problem. But it's so variable. Like, the rotation is so variable, so up and down, that you would almost assume that at some point it's going to it's going to vary back up to 30 uh, for one reason or another. So he he's shown so much upside, I would keep him. I'd be terrified to drop him just for like the yeah. FOMO if, if and when those minutes come back. And I do think in the short term, I don't think he's going to be startable because they're going to do the, the Bogdanovich experiment. You know, he came back, immediately played 27 minutes. You know, he's he's directly competing with a star Thompson for minutes. But I also don't think Bogdanovich is on this team the entire year. So if, if you could afford to hold him, I would do it just because I think you might regret it later on. Noah says, Kobe White or Mitchell Robinson? It's my first year playing fantasy basketball. Welcome aboard, Noah. Welcome aboard. Um, I, you know, this, this question is always like, I, if you're in a points league, I would go Kobe white. I'll, I'll say that. I, I understand the argument in a, if you're in a, a category league to want Mitchell Robinson, um, but he's not the same shot blocker he used to be. And uh, white's potential upside with Zach Levine or DeRozan or Vucevic or anybody else getting traded. Uh, I think I prefer Kobe white. Yeah, I would too. And, you know, it, again, in the category league, if you need blocks and you need rebounds, then Mitchell Robinson's the guy, you know, field goal percentage is going to help you, uh, you know, pretty immensely there. Although he's only at 58% this year, which seems high, but is not really high at all for a guy who's been in the seventies multiple times. So he's, it's actually, you know, not as big of a payoff there as you might think. And you mentioned the blocks. I mean, you know, you can just look at the raw numbers and that'll indicate too, that, you know, his, his blocks have dropped each of the last three seasons. They've really you know dropped off a cliff his first two years is when he was barely playing. He was playing like, you know, 18, 20 minutes a game and still giving you two, two and a half blocks. But the block rate, you know, if you dig in on, on some of the advanced stuff, that that to me is what's a little bit more concerning. You know, 10% block rate as a rookie, that is ultra elite. You know, if you're in double digits, that's like the best of the best. 8% in the second year, then 5%, 7%, 6%. Now he's down to 4.5% this season. So you're still getting the rebounds. You know, you're, you're still getting okay blocks, but... The whole reason that we were you know, so enamored with Mitchell Robinson a few years ago is you thought you were getting two and a half to three blocks a game. And in reality, it's really been closer to one or one and a half. So I, I think with the with the promise or the idea that Zach Levine and or DeMar DeRozan might not be on the Bulls two weeks or two months from now, I would rather have Kobe White. Yep. Yeah. I have Halliburton and I have Herb Jones. Should I also pick up Aaron Neesmith and drop KCP? Asked Johnny Tobar. Have Halliburton, have Herb Jones, pick up Aaron Neesmith and drop. I mean, KCP is pretty droppable in general. He's 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 not a must-roster guy. I mean, I've rostered him throughout the years in plenty of situations where he just sat on my bench a lot. Um, I am not a, you know, that being said, I'm not really a big Neesmith believer either. You have Obi Toppin questionable. You have Jalen Smith out for a while. Um Neesmith ultimately is like a three and D guy. So he's going to like, they're kind of doing the same thing. KCP and Aaron Neesmith, even though they're not, uh, they're not, you know, completely similar players. Um, yeah, I'm not, I got, I gotta be honest. I'm pretty agnostic about this. I might actually keep KCP. I'm sorry, like, man. I okay, want, I want yeah. the dependability. I want like 31, 32 minutes every night. It's going to get you some steals. He's playing in a great offense. I, I want KCP. It's, it's the safer bet, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you for the super chat, Prince Fountain. We appreciate it. 
Uh, good question here. Out of these players, who would you drop to add Scoot Henderson? Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. Out of these players, who would you drop to add Scoot Henderson? Jordan Poole, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, Keontae George, Keegan Murray, Asar Thompson. So, man, very interesting, very comparable players in some ways. We just talked about Asar, and you know, I, I still would prefer to hang on to him, even if it, it, it might not be comfortable in the short term. You know, Gordon Hayward is going to get hurt at some point, but I think there's a window here with no Lamelo, uh, where we should see him. You know, function as more of a facilitator. Um, yeah, really tough. Do any of these any of these names jump out to you right away, or anybody you would for sure keep or for sure consider dropping? Um, you know, well, I might. This this is this reminds me a little bit of the Ubre question. Mm -hmm. um, do you need to pick up Scoot Henderson? Uh, does Scoot Henderson really project as better fantasy players than any of these guys? The rest of the season is the question I have to ask. But if you want to pick up Scoot, I don't want to tell you, like, don't do it. Because there is a chance, you know, whenever, after the new year, he gets more comfortable, he starts playing well. He's already proven to be a very good passer. Like, he's given you a high assist floor. Um, he's, he's also given you a high foul floor. Very high foul floor. Um, I wouldn't drop Poole. I'll, I'll go through these names one by one. I mean, I wouldn't drop Poole because his upside is still too high. As bad as he's playing, as as and one mixtape uh, blooper reel as he's as he's been participating in, I wouldn't drop him. PJ Washington is borderline to me, but he puts up some pretty nice numbers. It's hard to drop him. I'd worry about Hayward's injury risk, uh, as always. But with Lamelo out, really hard to drop him right now. Keontae George is giving you probably like the, the production between what Keontae George is giving you and what you hope Scoot Henderson gives you. Um, you know, I think in theory, you hope Scoot Henderson gives you better numbers, but uh, the passing from Keontae is, is pretty nice. Um, man. And Asar could look like a drop, you know, I mean, it depends. I, if, if you can chat, whether you're in a category league or a points league that matters, because uh, Keontae George, for as good as he is in like the assists category, uh, for example, in the free throw percentage category, because he's a decent free throw guy, his field goal percentage is just murdering. Uh, yeah. that he's taking a lot of shots too. Taking a lot of shots, so he could be he could be hurting you in that way. Um, but this is this is a really yeah. difficult question for sure. Yeah, it, it is a very good question. I mean, again, if you're in a points league, I'm not I'm not getting rid of Keontae George. I think I do think in a category league that might be my answer. Uh, because the like, like you said, the field goal percentage is that bad. I mean, it's thirty four percent. I mean, that is horrible. And it, it, so, all right. So you just said twelve team nine cat league. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, and it, you know, he's also not giving you a ton on defense. Like there was a nice run there where he was giving you some steals. I mean, he's had he's had more zero steal games than games with any amount of steals. You know, he doesn't block shots. Um, I, I think I think Keontae George might be the answer. I mean, the one holdup I have with him is. I think they're pretty committed to making him a thing. I think the jazz are resigned to the fact that they're bad and I don't, I just don't see his minutes reducing. So like there's, if he's playing 35, 36 minutes, like for the second half of the season, which is very realistic, he's going to improve as the year goes along. So it, it's, uh, it's so tough. I, if you have to make the call right now and you're like, all right, for the next month, who do, who do I drop? I think for me, it would be Keontae George in that format specifically. My, <sighs> You know, I mean, I can't even... The thing is, we just talked about this with Asar in terms of, like, you get so much FOMO out of potentially dropping Asar 
But seeing a guy play 13 and then 16 minutes, we know the foul trouble. He's not efficient for you. I, you know, I couldn't necessarily blame you for doing that either. Um, well, is man, there, is is there a case for Keegan Murray? We haven't really discussed that one. Um, I, Gordon Hayward, to me, again, you got to live with the injury risk right now because I just think he's going to be pretty solid. You know, he's going to give you like 15, 5, and 5, and that's pretty valuable. Um, you know, pool, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I like PJ Washington. Wouldn't drop him, especially center eligible. That means something. Uh, but I mean, Keegan Murray's been bad. He's been very bad this season. And there's there's reason. Like I, we talked about him in context of you know buy low in a Mike Conley trade. You know, a guy who's probably at his peak value for his age and whatnot right now. Whereas Murray might be at the basement. He's at 29% from three on the year. He's still taking a bunch. Uh, I, I think the thing with Murray is like if he's not giving you threes. You're not getting a whole lot else. Like, you know, he, he he has been racking up steals at an okay rate, you know, a little over one a game. Um, you know, the rebounds are okay, but like even when he's hitting threes, he's not a super high upside scorer. Like if if he's not shooting close to 40% from three, there's not a ton of value there. So I mean, I think Keegan Murray is gonna progress to the mean. I think he's gonna shoot better, his volume is up. Um, but also, in theory, I think his production would be easiest to find off the waiver wire yes. if you needed to. Um, he's not necessarily my favorite drop candidate, but like Nick said, what he does best is threes um, and points ultimately. And there's threes and points on the waiver wire for sure. Assists are tougher to come by. Steals and blocks are tougher to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> rebounds can be kind of hit or miss. Like I wish, I wish I had a really definitive answer for you. I feel like we've been fence walking, yeah. like eight different fences at the same time with this question. But like the fact that you're even asking the question means your team is in a really good spot. Um, and I also, again, the part of the problem, in my opinion, with the question is like I don't even think Scoot's a necessary ad. Um, yeah. So like that's, that's why I'm waffling so much about your yeah. your situation. Yeah, I would say given the format and given the damage to field goal percentage, I would go Keontae one. I would say maybe just don't pick up Scoot too, and then and then Keegan <laughs> Murray. And I I do think there's a world in which Asar Thompson is the worst of all these guys for the next couple of weeks. But there will come a time when he's not playing 16 minutes a game. There's just there's no way that's how it's going to be. And the, the Pistons, I mean, they put Isaiah Livers in the starting lineup the other night. Like we have, there nothing is locked in. Like it looks bad now, but it might look completely different a week from now. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, good question there. Thank you again for the super <laughs> chat. We appreciate it. Is Monte Ellis top 50? Yes. Yep. I mean, if we're talking all yeah. time, if we're talking, you know, if you return to the NBA and played right now, would he be a top 50 player? The answer is yes. No matter what I will, will always, always love uh, Monte Ellis specifically, you know, what he gave us some, some great years in Milwaukee alongside Brandon Jennings. Uh, all right. Let's see for a 14 team points league is Fultz worth a pickup when he returns 14 team. I would say yes. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's a chance he sees 25 to 30 minutes a game. Um, He's he's very good. Like I I'm a Mark Elfold's believer in terms of his talent. Again, we've talked about like Suggs and and uh, uh, why am I blanking? Suggs and Cole Anthony are playing really well. I, 14 teams. Yeah, your waiver wire is pretty sparse. So I would I would grab full yeah. when he's back. Yeah, I would wait till he's back though if you can. I mean, obviously you you might get beat out if you if you do that. But the tendonitis thing. I mean, this is it's almost not really an injury. It's just like a condition, you know, and it, it could linger. And obviously he's had plenty of other issues, you know, with the knees and, and all, all, all other parts of his body. So I, I think this could, this could continue to, to be an issue throughout the year. So watch that closely. Kobe white. Is he a must roster in a 10 team, nine category league? I don't think he can keep up what he's been doing lately. 
I don't either, uh, but Zach Levine's going to miss at least another week. I know there's some speculation out there that this isn't even a real injury and they're just holding him out because they have a trade in place and they have to wait till December 15th. I, I could believe that. Uh, I, I think that's plausible. I don't think Zach Levine is like rushing to get back on the court for, for the Chicago Bulls. I think he'd be ready to be done with that team any day now. Ted team is, is tough for Kobe White, but I think you're going to want him. I, I, I do think Levine's getting traded. And again, we have no idea what the return is going to be. We don't know where he's going. Chances are they get back some young guard that they'll want to get a look at. Uh, but I, I, I would say he's close to a must roster under the pretense that Levine's getting traded. And what he's doing lately actually could be sustainable, you know, a few weeks or a month from now. I would really hate to drop him. Um, you know, like, so yeah, even if you think what he's doing right now isn't sustainable, on the year, he's only shooting 43% from the field, 40% from three, but that's not much higher than his career average. Um, and I think the 30 minutes a game is stable, at least an eight cat. I don't have the nine cat um, uh, number up. I'll, I'll grab it in like literally five seconds here. Um, in nine cat, he's ranked 111th per game. And to me, that's sustainable. Is that most roster in 10, uh, you know, sort of borderline, but I would just hang on like, a guy with that high of a floor playing 30 minutes a game as a starting point guard, potential his best teammate gets traded, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would do everything I could could to hang on to him. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I agree with you on that one. Um, should I trade Paul George for Julius Randle? Category league. And the reason that our, our guy Harley is asking this question, he said he's punting percentages and turnovers. So uh, obviously, if you're not if you're not punting those, I would say clear no. But yeah, makes it makes it reasonable. Makes it reasonable. Um, I'm still not sure I would do it. I gotta be honest. I mean, it's it is hard to evaluate punt builds midseason. Um, uh, it, I you know assess how far ahead or how far back you are in those categories. For example, I'll give you I'll give you a real life example. I'm in a in the industry pickup league, which is a a daily lineup head to head category league. Um, I am, I am targeting assists, steals, and threes, but I have two, I have way too many assists every week. I beat out the, the, my opponent by a million in the assists. So like for me, I should actually probably try to trade a, 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 one of my assist players for another guy to make my team a little more balanced. So I think like assess how, how high you are, or how low you are in certain categories before you make a move like that. Would you trade Max Struess for Asar Thompson right oh, now wow. in a nine cat? They're getting a lot of Asar questions. Is Asar a buy low? I think he's a buy low. I think that's fair. Uh, now, would you would you trade Struess for him? That's that's a different question. I don't think I can. I mean, I wasn't. I gotta be honest. Like Struess went on his hot run to begin the year. I was like, I don't think Struess is gonna be a must roster guy, even though I I like him as a basketball player. I think he's really good. He is. He's been cooking all year. He's playing really yeah. well, and I don't think what he's doing is unsustainable. They need him out there for his three-point shooting. He's always been underrated as in terms of like people envision him as like, he's just Duncan Robinson, but shorter. Um, No, like he can actually cut and make passes and grab rebounds. Um, I I would keep Struce. Asar is a buy low, but I would keep Struce. I keep Struce too. Uh, You know, I mean, he's also, Struce has also given you four assists per game this year. That was just not really part of his profile in Miami. And, you know, I think the, the point in favor of Asar is like the blocks. Obviously, Struis is not blocking shots, but you know, field goal percentage is going to be shaky. He gives you nothing from three. I, I think what Struis gives you in terms of three pointers is is more valuable than Asar Thompson right now. 
And even even if even if you you know make this trade and Asar goes back to playing 30 minutes, like yeah, yeah, like the mid to mid to low level points, the rebounds, the blocks, those are great. But other than that, I don't know. I, I think there's there are enough negatives there for me that I, I don't think I would do that deal. Uh all right. Marketing plus Kuzma plus Melton for Bam Adebayo and Jason Tatum. How does this trade look? asks Paul. Marketing Kuzma Melton for Adebayo Tatum. Um I would want Adebayo and Tatum. I mean, those are the highest Me upside too. guys. Um, yeah, Melton is worth rostering, of course, but um, yeah, the, the the ceiling on Adebayo Tatum is too good to to resist, in my opinion. Yeah, I would if you can maybe just wait for like a little more clarity on Bam, just in case this is like something more serious with the hip. Miami's always weird about injuries, but if if you're confident in that, then I absolutely want that side. I mean, those are two really rock solid guys. You don't miss much time at all. Uh, Tatum is like the, the best example, I think, of somebody who doesn't have number one overall player upside, but is always going to finish in the first round because he plays a ton of games. Uh, there's a lot of talent on that team. Hasn't really affected his numbers that much. And, you know, marketing, I have him on a bunch of teams this year. I am very worried about what could happen at what, what could happen at the end of the season to him. And the Jazz have been in so many blowouts, too, that there's been a lot of games where he's playing well. And then he plays like three minutes in the fourth quarter because they're down 30. So, yeah, yeah. I take the Adebayo Tatum side of things. Um all right, we got a, a follow-up from Prince Fountain. Uh, that, that was regarding the, you know, who do you drop question for Scoot Henderson. Said the rest of his team is Trey Young, Jalen Williams, Cam Johnson, Yaka Pertl, Wen Benyama, Michael Porter, Chet Holmgren, Franz Wagner. Not dropping any of those guys. Uh, yeah, man. That I, a team. That's a great team. I, um, I, my opinion is that ultimately, like, that, 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 Decision to pick up Scoot is probably not going to change your destiny. That's that's the best way I could phrase this for you is like, I think your team as a whole is so good top to bottom that whether or not you get Scoot, I honestly don't think it matters. No, no. I mean, you got three top 20 guys in there and like Franz Wagner has been amazing and somebody I wish I would have targeted harder. Uh, yeah, you're, you're in great shape. Love Jalen Williams. He's like, he's, he's in like the Tyrese Maxey category for me of just like pure favorite players in the NFL. Um, so yeah, or NFL NBA, uh, you're, you're doing pretty well there, Prince. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress too much about it. Um, and again, you don't, you don't have to pick up scoot fun player, but going to be a much, uh, you know, a much more fun real life player than fantasy. I mean, what was, what was the stat we read on the show last week, Alex, about Anthony Edwards? Uh, you know, we were trying to trying to gauge upside as far as, you know, what, even a, what, what does a great rookie guard season look like in terms of fantasy? And I could dig it up quick. Anthony Edwards in, in, in his rookie season, you know, had a, by all accounts, a very, very good rookie year. We knew he was going to be a star um, in terms of per game value, barely finished inside the top 100, you know? So even in like a best case scenario for scoot rest of season, he's, he's going to be a borderline guy that you're even comfortable starting. So uh, thank you again for the questions, Prince. We appreciate the super chats quite a bit. Um, all right, we'll try to go rapid fire through through most of these uh, that are in there, and then we got to get out you know a little after the hour mark here. So we'll go quickly. Um, it's good, good, just kind of general question. You know, it, it sounds like we got some new fantasy basketball players here. What's the difference between category leagues and standard head to head scoring type, Alex? Yeah, assuming assuming you're saying difference between category league and, and points leagues. Yeah. Um, category leagues, you uh, like specialists matter they make a bigger impact. You know, you could, because you get, pers you get stats for like threes and steals individually. Those are ranked individually. They don't get grouped into a, a bigger fantasy point thing. They're graded on their own. So a guy who's a three and D specialist, if he's elite, you know, he gets two steals a game, 
He hits three three-pointers a game. He's going to be excellent in a category league. But in a points league, you know, that's not going to add up that much if he's not getting you rebounds, assists, or anything like that. Um, I would say in general, the main indicators for good fantasy value in points leagues are just straight up minutes and usage. Um, if you look at the you know minutes and usage categories, even on like basketball reference, NBA.com, like those are generally speaking your best points leagues players. Um, uh, and specialists don't help you that much. Like one or two category specialists don't help you that much unless it's points in fantasy yep. point uh, per game leagues. All right, well said. Cole Anthony and Trey Murphy are available. Do I drop Jalen Johnson for either of those guys? He said he has LaMelo and Simons on IL. So can't, I assume he can't put Jalen Johnson there. Yeah, I mean, you're not dropping LaMelo. You're not dropping Simons. I, th- I think if you could stomach it, if you're doing okay, I would rather have Jalen Johnson. I think that's going to be more dependable. Uh, I love Trey Murphy. Love him to death. I worry about that rotation when everybody's healthy. Again, you know, they didn't really have Zion last year. I, I think that you know maybe gave him a bit of an artificial boost. And, you know, Cole Anthony, at some point, if if, if Fultz comes back, if uh, that, that might run out as well. So I would, if you could do it, I'd hold Johnson. What, what about you? I wouldn't do it for Cole. Um, I'll say that, even though he's he's playing really well. I mean, I can't, I can't say he's not, but um, you, Fultz might come back. You know, who knows? Um, to me, Jalen Johnson dropping him for Trey Murphy, I think probably ends up close to a wash. But I do feel like Jalen Johnson's role, he has a higher, man. I mean, I th- I think Trey Murphy's the better player, but he has to compete with McCollum for usage. He has to compete with Zion and Ingram for usage. And I think maybe he plays 35 minutes a game and it's fine. Um, but that is close to a wash for me in terms of dropping Johnson for Murphy. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you just, put it. You, like I would, I think Murphy is better. I, w- I wish they could swap places and he could be on. The yeah, line, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, another Ubre question. And again, we'll try to go through these quickly. So I apologize for the brevity, but we we have a, a time allotment here. Now that Ubre is back, I need to drop one of these. Isaiah Stewart, Mitchell Robinson, Trey Murphy, or Anyeka Kongwu. Well, one, you could just not pick up Ubre, but I would drop Isaiah Stewart. I'll say that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Drop drop yeah. beef stew. He's just not just not that good uh in fantasy or in real life, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, also, just don't trust the Pistons. They still have a bunch of big <laughs> right. Yeah, who knows? Night tonight. I just I don't want to deal with that. He's, he's just not a good fantasy player. He's good. Good. I actually think he's a pretty good player in real life, but um, never been a, a great fantasy guy. Doesn't really block a ton of shots. Uh, how do you like Denny Avdia rest of season? Uh, you know, kind of a, a bigger picture question here. I mean, the Wizards have just been pretty disastrous to try to evaluate. I, I like Avdia. I you know, he's still you're really prone to up and down nights, right? Like he'll, they'll string together, you know, 22, one game, 14, the next game. And then he'll just randomly have seven points in 31 minutes and take five shots uh, in a loss to the bucks, you know? So it's, it's really frustrating. Uh, I don't, I don't really see a change coming. I, I think he kind of is who he is, but he's shooting almost 50, 53% from the field this season. You know, the three point shooting has taken a big step forward. The volume is up there as well. Uh, so, you know, 12, five and four, with decent percentages the rest of the way. Like, I, I think that's fine. I, just, I don't really see anything changing there. Do you? No, I, I think what he's done so far is probably close to what he'll do um, mm-hmm. the rest of the year. And he's ranked 114 and eight cat, which means he's a borderline 10 team guy. I would hold him in 12s. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a 10 team league, you're not doing that well. You just need, you need some sort of spark. I, it's not, it won't kill you to drop him. Traded Asar Thompson for Zach Levine. Who are you picking at the moment? I'd still rather have Levine. I know everybody's down on him and he's kind of being a 
bit of a sourpuss, if you will, uh, in <laughs> Chicago, and he's hurt right now, allegedly. I, I mean, Zach Levine has a great track record. I know you could say where, wherever he ends up, you know, maybe if it's like, you know, Philly or Miami or LA, he's like the third guy. But, um, you know, I, I love Asar. It's different when we're discussing him versus like, you know, Scoot Henderson or Boyan Bogdanovich or Keontae George. Like, I, Levine's a proven commodity. And even if he doesn't land in like the greatest fantasy situation, like the chances of him having a better rest of season than Asar are pretty good. A hundred percent. I I echo everything you said. Lavina is basically a borderline all star. Asar can his role is not even stable. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, let's see. Traded Chet, Cade, and D'Lo for Halliburton and Kristaps Porzingis. Thoughts on the trade, and what are the chances that Porzingis plays sixty plus games this year? Chet, Cade, and D'Lo for Halliburton and KP. Um. I mean, I think I think that's a win. Um, yeah, just getting Halliburton and KP. Yeah, yeah. Um, the chances Porzingis plays sixty games. Um, I, look, I would never, I would never project him for more than sixty-five. To me, that would be irresponsible. Uh, so I would, I would say, you know, I fifty-fifty, uh, but. He just has no history of it. Almost, it's yeah. just. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like 75 percent chance he plays under 60. Like the the data strongly suggests that he will not get to 60. Um, and you know Boston's gonna be near the top of the standings. Could be some rest there later in the year, even if he's relatively healthy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he did okay there. I mean, it kind of depends on your format. I mean, Chet's top 20 guy. Like, there's still a lot to like about Cade. I, I know it's been pretty disappointing. Um, and Russell. I don't know. He's had his games lately. I, I gotta, I gotta tip my cap, I suppose. But still, you know, one of my least favorite players to watch. But just, I mean, just getting Halliburton in, in a lot of ways is a win. Another Trey Murphy question. Basically, here's what it comes down to: Would you drop Spencer Dinwiddie to pick up Trey Murphy? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie is just a pretty inconsistent. Um, it, if you need assists, maybe not because he's he's still started and played big minutes these last two games with Cam Thomas back. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but, you know, 40% from the field, that's kind of the guy he is. You know, he's never really had much of a history of going above that. Doesn't doesn't give you anything on defense. So, yeah, I, I would I would be okay with that. I think those guys could actually be pretty comparable. Just very different players, of course, the rest of the way. Does Miles Bridges maintain top 40 value rest of season? I mean, I think he could. Uh, he, did it, he did it before, a couple of years ago. Um I don't think it helps him a ton that LaMelo's out necessarily. I don't think it like helps him or hurts him either way. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he, you know, he'll take on some more usage, but I think he also thrives when like getting passes from LaMelo and lobs and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, he, again, when he, when he had his breakout season, I, you know, he's shooting 44% from three right now. I don't think that's going to continue, but every, every, all of his other numbers that I'm looking at, I don't see why not, man. They're trying to win games too. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I, I want Miles Bridges. Uh, TaylorMade Clan asks us, uh, shout out to the TaylorMade Clan. Uh, as, a, as an owner of TaylorMade Irons, I, I guess I am a part of that clan. Is this a good trade in a 10-team points league? I get Fox and Sabonis, and I give Chet, Nurkic, and Bojan Bogdanovich. In a 10-team points league, yeah, I think you win that. Because yeah. I don't even know if Bogdanovich is a must-roster player in a 10-team points format. So you're basically, in my opinion, you're basically trading Fox and Sabonis for Chet and Nurkic, and I would rather have Fox and Sabonis. Yep. Yeah, that's a win for me. I would I would make that deal, no question. 
All right. Is Tyus Jones better than Scoot Henderson for rest of season? Oh, man. Um, 14 team league. He said he picked up Tyus to drop Scoot. I don't know. I would say probably. I, I think he'll finish higher. Yeah. It's God. I hate that we have to ask this question. I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea because it's possible Tyus Jones gets traded and then he's playing 20 minutes a game for somebody, but then Scoot's now playing 35 minutes a game for somebody. Um, I, I honestly, to me, that's like, I, I wish I could give you a real answer. It's almost impossible to. Okay. I don't trust Fair enough. Guy. I would, I want, I want Tyus Jones. I, I play it safe. I'm a, I'm a coward when it comes to fantasy basketball. So <laughs> I would take, I would spot the safer player. Tyus Jones, he's had a terrible year and he's still like borderline top 120. Um, so it's so give me that. All right. Is DeAndre Hunter a 16 team hold rest of season in nine cat? I would say yes. Yeah. And in, in 16, yeah. Team, 16 team, he's probably got to be rostered. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's see. Looking to trade LeBron, what's the best value I could get? Yeah, we, we saw there's a similar question about Kawhi, you know, trying to sell high on veterans who've been hurt. I, my message on this is always just like send out a bunch of offers. Like, don't be shy. You know, make sure make sure you're comfortable, obviously, with any of them being accepted. But aim high and make people say no. I mean, don't don't try to get like Jokic or Halliburton or something. But I mean, LeBron has been fantastic so far. He's cooled off a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but he's you know, really not missed any time. He's been his usual 24, eight, seven percent. Uh, I mean, shooting 55% from the field, which is outrageous because he takes so many bad threes. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could try, I mean, most players that rank ahead of him, I think would be tough. I mean, you could, you could try to do like Paul George or somebody like that. Uh, you know, there might be somebody in your league who just loves LeBron and sees the name value and, and might want him, but I, in general, I do think, you know, offloading LeBron and assuming he's going to miss time at some point is probably the right call. Yeah. You're probably looking at like, a, uh, maybe try out of bio, some bonus, maybe Desmond Bain, uh, kind of a thing, but yeah, like Nick said, it's going to be hard to trade him for someone. I don't know. Maybe Scott, maybe someone would do it for Scotty Barnes, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's yeah, that's an interesting one. But yeah, I mean, plenty of names. It's hard to just say this is the guy. I mean, you know, DeJounte Murray, you, you probably have to aim like a little bit lower. Uh, you know, not necessarily somebody who's playing badly, but just somebody who is viewed as a worse fantasy player than LeBron, um, but is yeah. way more dependable, right? I mean, the whole goal of dumping LeBron is not because he's playing poorly. It's it's that you think he's going to get hurt at some point. Um, all right, we got another first-year player. Kimron says, I dropped a SAR to pick up Tobias Harris in a 10-team points league. Uh, loving the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Did I make a bad drop? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, that's a that's a tough decision to make for anybody. I understand, you know, because Asar is a pretty good points league player. Um, I think that's a I think that's a fine drop. I don't think that's going to like win or lose you your league. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, all right, next question regarding Andrew Wiggins. We'll do a couple more and then we'll get out of here. I wanted to drop Aaron Gordon for Andrew Wiggins in a 10-team, nine-cat, head-to-head league. Thoughts on the move? Well, Wiggins did slam his finger in a car door and has missed the last <laughs> few games. We will we will see. Uh, I assume he'll have a pretty good chance to play Wednesday or Friday uh, for the Warriors this week. He's played a little bit better. I mean, he had that 29-10 and 10 game before the, the infamous car door incident. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, to me, you, you kind of know what you're getting, right? I mean, it's relatively underwhelming, but he's the same guy every night. You know, I, I think you're if you're chasing some upside here, you're you're betting that you know Wiggins comes around at some point. 
But as I just said, the way I play fantasy, I would probably prefer the the known commodity in Aaron Gordon. Uh, but you know, it's a good question. I, I yeah, completely fine question. Both of these guys are like back end fantasy players. Um, I think I'd I think I'd prefer Gordon because Wiggins, in addition to just him playing badly, has not really shown an ability at least this year to scale up his usage when other guys around him are hurt or not playing well. And Gordon, like if Don, or if uh, Jokic gets hurt, Gordon could come in and put up like 17, 10, and 7. Um, so I would just rather have that. All right, we'll do, let's say two more, and then we'll be out of here. I traded Scotty Barnes, McCall Bridges, and Jordan Poole for Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Kobe White. Head-to-head points league, did I win? So he's on the, the four side of this three-for-four four deal. Uh, people are out here making blockbusters, man. I love yeah, it. it was... I, this never happens in any league I play in, to be honest. Yeah, right. Um, so you got Porzingis, Kawhi, Siakam, and Derek White. I mean, that's that's nice. You gave up Scotty Barnes, Mikhail Bridges, and Jordan Poole. I think you won. Pretty sure you won. Yeah, I think so. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not the biggest Porzingis Kawhi tandem guy just because there's there's significant risk there. Um, but you know, you could argue that Poole's been a like a losing player so far in real life and in fantasy. Uh, and yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're okay here. Like Poole to me is like I don't really consider him that big of a part of this trade. So getting the four side of this, you know, like I think getting Kobe White as like a throw in in the deal is pretty huge because you know if Porzingis or Kawhi go down, obviously you're not gonna feel great about it. But that's that's kind of why you got the extra piece. So um, yeah, I mean, even without Kobe White, this would be like a reasonable trade question. So I think to get that added bonus on it, you you definitely won the deal. Um, all right, we'll end on this one from Joseph. How would you rank these guards in order in a nine cat league? Clarkson, Cole Anthony, Poole. Um. Man, I think I shockingly, I think I would still rank Jordan Poole number one here. Um, okay. I really, I mean, I Cole Anthony has been so good lately. Cole Anthony versus Jordan Clarkson might be a bit of a wash to me because Clarkson has proven to be able to do it before more consistently. Cole Anthony might just be on a bit of a hot streak. Um, I would rank Jordan Poole first. I mean, do you have a do you have a hot do you have a, a strong opinion on this? Three very similar players. I would still go Poole first because he's getting the minutes. There's no with Clarkson. There's a concern like last year he was shut down. He's super streaky. Um, not that Poole isn't. Uh, and then with Anthony, it's just it fully depends on Fultz. Like if Fultz never comes back or he misses another month, even like then maybe Cole Anthony is the answer. But I, I just worry about you know the the Fultz pool or the Fultz uh, Anthony Suggs trio. Like how does that all play out? Gary Harris is still in the mix in Orlando. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't think I would say this, but I, I do think pool is number one among those. doesn't feel good. He, he definitely ranks the highest on the year so far, <laughs> and it feels like he's been terrible. So if you think he could be any better, that's the way to go. Um, all right. One, one more from QB to wizard. That is QB to wizard 12 teamer. What's up guys. What's up QB. I traded miles bridges, Darius Garland and Josh Giddy for Shangun and Tobias Harris. And then he picked up Trey Murphy and dropped Giddy. If I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, so basically it's, Bridges Garland for Shangun or Bridges Garland and Giddy for Shangun, Tobias, and Trey Murphy. Um I mean, I think I would rather have Bridges and Garland, but I don't mind you dropping I don't mind you dropping Giddy for for Trey Murphy. Um I think that's a win. Um 
yeah, Tobias Harris, I'm I'm worried about a little bit, like the sustainability. Mm-hmm. I think I I hate to say it, I I think I would rather have the other side of your trade, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends how sustainable you think Tobias Harris is. Like, got off to a great start, super efficient. You know, with Ubre coming back, that you know that that clouds things a little bit. I I do love Shangun, but yeah, Bridges and Garland is a, a pretty pretty nasty tandem uh, in that regard. All right, one more. We got we got complaints in the chat. All right, we got we got to answer this one. Um, no, we're just joking. We appreciate all the questions, guys. But we do we do have time constraints. We I would love to just do this forever. Um, but we got we got things going on. Twelve team nine category league. Who should I drop? And what was lacking on my team? Uh, we we can tell you who to drop. We'll try to give you an assessment on the team here. He's got Curry, Booker, Keontae George, OG Ananobi, Reeves, Porzingis, Zubac, Gobert, Bruce Brown, Keegan Murray, Brooke Lopez. Um. I would drop Keontae George or, or Bruce Brown, maybe, maybe Keegan Bruce Murray. Brown is just not playing I just, that the, well. The percentages with Keontae George are, are tough. And, you know, you, you got Zubac, you got Gobert, you got Lopez that, that help you a little bit with the percentages, but not like in an overwhelming way. I mean, um, I guess my question, like, so I think all these guys that you listed are like 14 team roster guys. So like you're not if you're dropping somebody, someone else should probably pick them up. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. I mean, maybe Zubach is the drop. Um, but I don't he's definitely fine to hang on to. I yeah, you gotta hang on to Zubach, man. I um so I guess my question back to you is like what is your is your is your team not doing well? Like are you are you like third to last in your standings? Is it a reason you feel like you need to drop somebody? Because if you're not doing well in your standings. My assessment of it is like Curry and Booker have been kind of hurt. Um, OG is, and Austin Reeves, generally speaking, have been kind of underperforming. Porzingis is hurt right now. Um, Bruce Brown hasn't been as good as people thought. Keegan Murray was hurt. And then Lopez took a little time to get started. So I think you're completely fine with your team. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to respond. I mean, who are you picking up? You know, if it's if it's Scoot, don't do it. You got a good team. I, I, like, I, <laughs> I get it. I, I know. I... I Somebody's probably going to clip this, and in like a month, when Scoot has you know like yeah. three straight twenty and eight games, we're going to look like idiots. But it's he's just he's not startable right now. And later in the year, he might be, but um, he's just not. Uh, but yeah, if you have to drop one of these, it's it's Keontae, it's Bruce Brown, or it's Keegan Murray. Um, all right, awesome stuff, Alex. Uh, you know, good good to talk some in season tournament. I think these are the best questions that we've had in the chat so far. Um, so we we really appreciate everybody jumping in. Uh, we'll be doing this, you know, every Monday. Uh, around 2, 2.30 p.m. Central. You know, we got to move it around a little bit depending on the week, but should be in that window. Um, and we do these five days a week. So you know, we'll, we'll have Steve Alexander, the doctor, the veteran, fantasy basketball player on tomorrow. I'll be on with Brandon Kravitz on Wednesday. We'll have Steve and the great Rick Kamla, you know, from NBA TV on Thursday. Uh, and then Alex, Shannon, and Ken talking waiver wire every Friday. Once again, appreciate everybody. Appreciate the questions. You guys make this a, a fun podcast and hopefully informative for everybody. We'll be back next Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.